As the world emerges from the shadows of a pandemic, we're all wondering what's next. Has our experience in lockdown altered the future we expected, or has it simply accelerated ongoing change? What's in store for us over the next few years? Join me, Susie Golding, and me, Andrew Clark, in Singapore every week as we ask leaders across Asia, working in marketing, communications, and lifestyle, one simple question. What's, What's next? next? Hi, Andrew. How are you this week? I am feeling really great because I have finally been able to get some rest. Last week was a really tough one. I was pulling 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning jo uh, days, but it's all good. One is making hay whilst the sun shines. How about yourself? I'm very good because I've I've taken the delivery of a massage gun. No way. Which my husband calls a sex pistol. Can I just like stipulate now <laughs> that it is in no way, shape or form a dildo. It is for serious, <laughs> for serious massage requirements. And if you felt the weight and the energy of it, you wouldn't want to put it anywhere near your nether regions. Yeah, I've seen these things. They're super powerful. At my gym, uh, um, my trainer would um, would use one of these things on my shoulders and my and my and my back and and stuff like that. Yeah, crazy powerful though. It's amazing. And you're probably right. You wouldn't want to use it for anything carnal. <laughs> I did notice that in the um, in the warning instructions, it does say do not put near genitals. <laughs> Gosh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> it did, didn't it? From uh, greetings to genitals. There you go. Well, from genitalia to M&A. Who have we got on this week? <laughs> so this week, luckily, we both know her and, and she's good fun. So we're, we're talking to Hattie Marsden and Hattie works in mergers and acquisitions within our own dear industry so within the creative industry so really looking forward to talking to her about what's happening on the M&A front um, at the moment here in Asia absolutely let's do it let's go hi Hattie how are you I'm all right guys so listen Hattie before we get going why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do I am originally from the UK I'm one of those that have stumbled into living in Asia for the past seven years. And I guess one of the things that people always tend to find a little bit amusing slash quite confusing about me is that I'm an accountant with an English and drama degree. Oh. Which normally really gets people confused. No way! I had no idea you studied English and drama. This is fascinating. Keep going. Surely I must have told you, Andrew. This is my only bridge to my uh, creative client. Exactly. You have an air of a creative person, someone who studied the arts. Why, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Isn't interesting though because then then you are probably using you know they talk about people being left brain or right brain but Hattie with your educational background and then your vocational background you're using both sides of the brain but yeah it, it's good I think the reality is that what all of us are doing are telling stories in some form or another some of us are just having to use a bit more maths along the way and that's I guess what I try to do. And in terms of telling stories, which is a lovely way to put it, what are you telling stories about? What's the purpose hmm. of these stories? So maybe let me start a little bit and tell you about what we do at SI. Um, 
so we are a management consultancy and M&A advisory. And our whole purpose really is around advising clients in the technology, business services and creative sectors on how to grow their businesses, but also how to realize value whilst at the same time managing risk. So one of the things that we do sometimes do is work with our clients to help them articulate their stories and work out what that future story might be. And you know what? That's why I know you, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Because um, uh, for the benefit of our listener, the reason that I know Hattie is because she came in uh, with SI and she helped AsiaWorks do exactly that, articulate our story and perform a little bit of management consultancy magic on our <laughs> on, our, on our decrepit company, but <laughs> we, my goodness me, we are so much, we are so much the better for it. Leading production company in Asia, right here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't think I'd go as far as that. But we, we've certainly got better at running our company and making videos. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> What's really interesting about what you guys do, um, especially on the management consultancy side of things, uh, and helping companies change. You must be really busy at the moment, because if there's any time, I think, that companies need to improve and uh, get better at what they do or adapt, now is that time, isn't it, Hattie? It really is. So there is an old saying that management consultants have a boom time in the boom years. They also have a boom time in the horrible years for that exact reason. Um And I think in particular, after the last few months, when everyone's been locked in their houses and scratching their heads and been forced to ponder the world, both in terms of their own life and that of their business, they've actually had a bit of a chance to stop and think about what they might want that business to look like in a couple of years time. Um, And as a result, we've definitely had some good soul searching conversations over the past few months. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, certainly from our experience at the moment, we've had to make some pretty serious changes at AsiaWorks and change that with the way that we're working with our clients and offering new things. Uh, one thing that I certainly remember that we learned from you guys was how to productize things and how to um, uh, present um, maybe things that you've you've already been doing in a different way and present them almost as products to your clients, which is which is something that um, creates agencies uh, and um, agencies in general that doesn't that kind of thing doesn't really come naturally I think one of my observations from working across the services industry is that so many experts give away the piece that is of the most value which is the strategy for free Mm. and that's actually because it can be really hard to package up and sell strategy because it's quite hard to articulate what the outputs might be Mm. so that's one of the key things that everyone should be thinking about at the moment if they haven't managed to already is how can you package up and charge for that really sharp really helpful advice that is actually the thing that quite often is why people then might appoint you to do the execution 
but you're having to give away a lot of that strategy for free before you get there. So Hattie, another um, string to your bow is working on mergers and acquisitions. So what is the M&A scene looking like here at the moment? So what we've seen over the last three months as Europe and Asia have emerged from their various lockdowns and circuit breakers is as the world has started to understand a bit more the skills that is going to be needed for tomorrow's world, we've seen this huge uptick in demand from acquirers for skills and technology that's enabling digital and marketing transformation across the globe. Wow. Okay, I've got to be honest, that's a lot of words. Yeah. Right? And um, I want to dig down into what all of that means. Fair enough. We saw this momentary pause around March, April time, as everyone tried to work out what on earth did it mean? Is it even possible to do deals when you're having to talk to someone through a video call? That that sounds impossible. Everyone knows a deal only gets struck, you know, over, over a beer in the pub. Yeah. What's happened is the fastest moving businesses have realized they can't stick around and wait for the world to happen to them. Yeah. In fact, what they've realized is even more, they need to be bringing into their organizations people with the skills to transform other businesses into the world of tomorrow. And actually quite a lot of people all aggressively fighting over the same assets. It sounds as though those assets as well, they are largely people. Pretty much all of the businesses that we're dealing with are people-based businesses. Um, And that's what makes what we do so much fun, because the reality is, is whilst a lot of the business services companies that we work with, they might have a certain element of IP in them, or they might have gone so far at productizing a set of services. Mm -hmm. The reality is that those set of services are being delivered by what is a people based business. That's fascinating. And in terms of the areas that you're finding are attractive to potential buyers in terms of the actual services that these people-based businesses are offering that are attractive to potential buyers what sort of services are they offering so we're seeing lots of activity around high performing communications businesses and partly that's because there's still a demand for really great content right now so particularly those businesses that are helping tell the stories and build content for technology businesses a lot of those businesses are absolutely booming off the back of their clients technology successes we're also seeing lots of activity um, around any of the cloud specialists anyone that's implementing Microsoft services, AWS services, and equally anyone with across the data and analytics space. Um, some of those areas are what's what's really quite busy at the moment. So it sounds like Hattie, the the worlds of tech and marketing are growing ever closer together, and, and in fact are, are now colliding. Like they, you're starting to see companies come together, bringing those skill sets and maybe products together. Um, as, as part of one offering, is that right? Entirely so. And I, and I think, again, this isn't a new trend. It is an acceleration of a trend that was already there. Right. Um, so there's been a lot of excitement over the last 18 months, uh, even longer, but primarily the last 18 to 24 months across Asia Pacific around 
the consultancies moving into the sphere of marketing services yeah. and on the flip side mm. yeah that's been going on for a while it hasn't has it? and on the flip side some of the marketing services trying to move up the value stream and get into the world of where some of the consultancies are operating um and and it's one of the questions we get asked the most is would my business be interesting to a management consultancy that's hmm. absolutely fascinating interesting i think that People sort of have a perception that selling your business or being acquired by somebody is perhaps a route to get rich or a route to exit elegantly. But I think that we're all aware of stories and experiences that where that isn't always the case. And in terms of knowing you, Hattie, and talking to you about this stuff before and working with you, I was just wondering what your answer would be to why on earth would anybody want to sell their business? I think people come to us with a whole host of reasons around why they might want to exit their business. That ranges from everything from the fact that they've heard from their mate in the pub that you can make a load of money doing it (laughs) (laughs) quite often. Uh, Through to actually they feel that they've taken their business to a stage as far as as far as they're going to be able to take it at that point in time and actually in order to really challenge themselves and reach the next level of career fulfillment it might be a great chance to look at a partner Hmm. another reason which is my favorite reason is when clients come to us and say i'd really like to do this but i think it would be faster to do it with someone else So the deals that we do that are always the best is when someone has something really magic that could work a lot better if they had, for instance, a new route to market um, or or access to a new data set that they could build themselves anyway, but is just going to get sped up by doing it with a partner. Yeah, because I think that a lot of people, when they think about mergers and acquisitions and a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, they are thinking about what their mate said to them in a pub, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people have heard horror stories as well. That's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. One of the questions we get asked the most is, what is this earn out and why do I have to do it? And I've heard it's terrible and I've heard I'm never going to get a single penny after what I get paid on day one. And really, I think it all comes back to, you know, when people ask that question, I, I get them to try and think around what the human behaviors are that yeah. a buyer and a seller might be trying to create in a deal. So if you had a business hattie and you wanted to make it an attractive acquisition target, what would be your um, advice? So there's five things that we look across when someone asks us. So the first and most important is what is the offering? Is it contemporary? Are these skills that we know that people are trying to acquire in the marketplace? The second thing that we have a little bit of a look at is uh, client base. So if a business is working with blue chip recognizable clients, actually we know that what that means is that the quality of work they're delivering must be top notch Mm. for them to be attracting and retaining those types of clients. The third thing, which actually in some ways I would say is one of the most important is what's the management team like? You know, you could be the best business in the world growing as fast as possible, but let's just take this back to basic principles. Buyers will always look at you and go, is this someone I'd like to work with? 
And actually, is there depth in this management team just beyond the founder? Is there a next layer of talent and succession plan within this business? Mm. And the fourth and fifth thing are growth and profitability. So is this business growing? Is it growing fast? And ideally, is it making a bit of money as it goes? Hmm. Really interesting how important the management team is. And you're going back to what you were saying about a service business is all about the people. Like You could have an amazing product, but if the person who's trying to sell it or the team that's trying to deliver it isn't very good, then it doesn't matter how good the product is. Exactly. I think what is um, fascinating about those five points is it kind of leads us back to where we started this. Because with all of those five ingredients, you have a great story, right? Exactly. That brings us very nicely on to the part of the show where we ask you, what have you been listening to? What have you been watching? And what are you reading, Hattie? Oh, excellent question. Which one should I do first? Oh, take your pick. Oh, okay. I'll do listening. So it's a book, but I'm listening to it on Audible at the moment. Uh, it's called Donut Economics. It's by a lady mm-hmm. called Kate Rayworth. She used to work at the UN and Oxfam. And what she's basically done is she's taken mainstream economics, which is all around the fact that an economy should grow. And she's pointed out that there's big holes in this and has asked, well, yes, the economy should grow, but we've sort of forgotten that we're living in a world that's only got a finite set of resources. Mm. So. Right. If you um, if you can think of the donut that Homer Simpson eats, one of those circular ones with a hole in the middle. Yes. Yeah. What she's done yep. is she's taken that as a framework and she said, the bit that's the bread, the actual donut, that's the bit that we all need to live in. At the moment, there's yep. a hole in the middle and that's where, but at the moment, there's people in this world who don't have access to basic food, basic education, basic human rights. We need to get them out of that hole and into the bread. Yep. But we also need to not go beyond that circle of the bread, which is effectively the world that we've got to live in sustainably. Hmm. Wow. Like the analogy. It's making me hungry, though. It's tea time. <laughs> I could bloody murder a donut right, right, right now. Okay, well, I'll tell you a little bit what I've been watching now. So I've got a little bit of an addiction at the moment to a show called Million Dollar Home. Oh, which okay. Which is a reality show. Oh, it's real trash. <laughs> it's a reality show all about American real estate brokers in a in LA buying and selling property. It's as trashy as it gets. Yeah, I've heard about this show. I haven't seen it, but I've heard so much about it. Is it a bit like Selling Sunset? It's same premise. Same premise, marginally less trashy. Right, okay. So the the other thing I've been reading, and actually this links quite back well to this whole world of tech and media, is um, I'm a big fan of Scott Galloway. Have you guys heard of him? He's the NYU professor that is yeah. constantly got big opinions. Yeah. So... He's written, uh, he's written a couple of books, actually, but the one he's just released is called The Four. It's a very grand title. That's right. He's a professor of marketing, right? Indeed. He used to have an agency. Mm, yeah. Much smarter now. And uh, so he's written all about Amazon, Apple and Facebook and Google being the fourth one and basically asks how on earth did these guys grow to the extent that they have and, and how and why are they such massive category definers in the world that they are now? And is it right that they've got all of this power that they have? Um, so it's an absolute must read for anyone that uses any of those services, which is effectively all of us. 
Mm. Um, yeah. Particular if you're working in tech or media. Oh, that sounds good. There's a, there's a few sort of things around about those the big tech companies at the minute, isn't there? There's a lot of controversy around them. There's a lot of suspicion around them. But people are writing and and making documentaries about a lot of them too. So definitely check that one out. Yeah, I think he he asked some interesting questions in it around how is it that they've accumulated such power, and mm. is it just as simple as actually they're quite cool brands and no one wants to be the old doddery guy in Congress asking what it is that they do. <laughs> quite probably. And also because we've all come to rely on them so much or think we rely on them so much, you know. And, yeah. and I'm always grateful that I remember a time before them because I can't imagine what it's like if you're younger and you, you've never lived in a world without those four companies and what they provide. You know, you've never known anything else. I think that, yeah. yeah, I'm pleased I'm not one of those people. You know, when you when you watch documentaries about them, when you see movies mm. like The Social Network, um, when you hear news stories about TikTok, they're not necessarily painting a rosy picture about our future and the fact that these companies are a force for good. Generally, the stories are pretty fucking negative and they kind of, yeah, they talk to a dystopian future where basically the country is run, the world is run by Absolutely. four companies. Simple Absolutely. as that. Can you imagine the M&A? <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a fantastic conversation, Hattie. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Hattie. Thank you most of all guys absolute pleasure to sit and have a little giggle with you both that's what we needed i think <laughs> exactly and just finally if we if we want to get in touch with you and si partners how do we do that you can find any of us through our website si partners global or look me up on linkedin and drop me a note awesome Hattie's, Hattie's a lovely good old chat, isn't she? She is, yeah. And it's it's really nice, isn't it? We're, I mean, you and I both work within the creative sector, but it's nice to talk to someone who sort of works in it, but isn't part of it, if you know what I mean. So she sees it from a completely different perspective. She's an accountant, but with a degree in the arts, right? Yeah. I think what's super interesting is the fact that she kind of confirms a lot of stuff that, that you kind of know already, you know, like a company's greatest asset is its people. Yeah. You know, certainly it's something which is really highly prized in the marketplace. It's not necessarily about tech. It's not necessarily about inventions and all mm. of that sort of amazing stuff that you're hearing all of the time. It really is about people, isn't it? Yeah, I think that was really heartening, wasn't it? Because you're right, everyone's like, oh, people are your greatest asset. But quite often it's just said and it's not really meant or really thought about yeah. um, in any depth. And it's absolutely true. Like, If you don't have good people working for you, your business is worthless because it won't stay a viable business for so much longer. So I thought that yeah. was super, super interesting. And also, you know, when she talked about the M&A activity being very robust and quite healthy at the moment. But, you know, to make sure that you're building or you've built a resilient business before you think about selling it um, and what resilience meant. And again, she kept coming back to having really great people um, working for you. From those people come great stories. One thing for sure that Hattie has to do in the work that she does is tell really compelling stories to people about businesses. Absolutely. Which I think is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's really nice to see 
you know, people always talk about soft skills and the softer things like people and culture, but actually they're super important from a commercial perspective. And yeah. and obviously Hattie sees it from that perspective because that's the business that she's in, right? And she's able, yeah. like you say, she's able to articulate why those two things are really important if you're thinking about buying or selling your business. Fascinating stuff. Right, next week we've got a stand-up comedian. We have a good friend of yours, uh, Andrew, um, Sam C. So really looking forward to... Uh, to talking to him because of course the stand-up world will have been so badly hit over the last few months so really keen to hear how he's um getting on um and how he's still managing to make people laugh during the next few months because god knows we've needed a laugh god knows we've needed a laugh and you know what sam provides it he's brilliant uh, a, a young singaporean stand-up comedian who's going to tell us all about the scene and how he's weathered the storm right See you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. See you next week. You've been listening to me, Andrew. And me, Susie, and our lovely guest. On What's Next, the podcast which asks just that. If you enjoyed listening, like, subscribe, leave a review. And do recommend us to anyone else that you think would find our ramblings interesting. You can find this podcast on all the major channels where you find your podcasts. So join us next week when we'll be asking someone else. What's What's next? next?